Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For me, um, I kind of like keyed into suicide when I was like eight years old. I had grown up in a fairly uh, like evangelical setting. So my I had kind of gotten in my head at that age that like I'm kind of too young to go to hell. I haven't seen the hard time. <laughs> go to hell and i don't really see how god would see me wanting to go to heaven as worthy of you know like as hell worth <laughs> so that was my eight-year-old evangelical defense of suicide Space Media. I'm Nama Cates, and this is Incel. Hello, world. Welcome back. Welcome to 2021. Happy New Year. Resolutions, anyone? Got them? I know I sure do. We'll get into that in a bit. I hope you all had a lovely holiday season or at least a relatively painless one. I'd like to begin by addressing a new Apple review I happened upon. As you all know, I seldom ever read these anymore, let alone address them on here. But this one's valid, and expresses an issue worth complaining about. The title is, Good Show, Frustrating Release Schedule. And it goes on to say, Wish the show was released with some regularity. Also, uniquely American how the host feels like they're being pigeonholed ideologically because they disagree with the left, in scare quotes. Thank you, CF1990, for this review and for being kind enough to give four stars in spite of your grievances. The truth is, I agree with you completely. Perhaps you've noticed that I often berate myself for my own lack of consistency. It has been a bigger source of frustration with my own personal ass than you know. I've done over 50 episodes, if you count the bonuses, since beginning the show, a year and a half ago. And the first half of those were released pretty much consistently, on a weekly basis. But that started to severely fall off in early spring of last year, and came to nearly a grinding halt for portions of the summer. Trust me, I had very valid reasons, mostly due to some personal and health-related issues, but I should have addressed you all directly and taken a scheduled break rather than avoiding it by constantly thinking I could overcome it. So yes, point taken, valued, understood. And also the pigeonholing issue. It is strange, and probably uniquely pervasive here in the US of A, to be pigeonholed for disagreeing with politicized issues. It's true of both the left and the right, and I certainly disagree with both of them on most every issue these days. This is simply representative of the obscene hyperpolarization taking over our country, which I talk about on here and my other podcast, Escape Hate. So yes, I appreciate your review and aim to do better. Speaking of reviews, if you all enjoy the show, please do leave one. I know a bunch of you have, and I'm grateful, but I know way more of you haven't. This podcast is free of charge with minimal ads, but running a podcast is not free of charge. In addition to basic equipment costs, software, microphones, subscriptions to audio apps, etc., putting these together takes a lot of time, between the research and the contacts and the interviews, recordings, and editing. So, you know, if you want to support it directly, you can do so over at anchor.fm slash incel somewhere. But if you don't want to make a monthly commitment right now, during COVID, I totally understand that. But what you can do is leave a review. It really, truly makes a difference on the Apple algorithms and all that. So if you haven't yet, and like this show, press pause right now and just go ahead and do it. It can be just a few words. Just a single word. Whatever you want. Go on now. Thank you. Done? Cool. So, CF1990's review is also a perfect segue to something else. I've recently been contacted by a longtime dear friend and colleague about a sponsorship opportunity. This is SpawnCon unlike all others. 
because it's for a company that creates companionship robots. Yes, you can even call them sex bots, though that is very reductive. We're just now firming up the contracts and so on, so the sponsorship will probably begin in February. In addition to this being just awesome and fascinating news, it means I have a commitment for regular content to an employer besides myself, so you can expect consistent weekly episodes starting right about now. I shouldn't need this kind of motivation, because my commitment, above all, is to you all, my dear listeners. It really is. But I feel I've let you down so often over the past months that I'm sure you've all long stopped relying on new episodes for your Tuesday, even those of you that have stuck it out. And that really sucks. I hope to make it up, and understand it may take a while. But as for the next several weeks, the lineup will include the following already recorded interviews. A very interesting catch-up with Todd, aka the artist formerly known as Grotesque Subhuman, a funny, poignant, and lively catch-up with Master, Abdi, and Frail, all talking together at once, representing a first for incel. An enlightening and mature but rather black pill chat with Carcudo, who was on the scene longer than anyone I've spoken with to date, since the early aughts, and was an original mod on the legendary r slash incels, as well as a few scheduled for this week that are looking quite intriguing. We'll see how they go. Alright, now then. In incel news, there is some, but I'm not going to be covering it today, because I've already been rambling for far too long, but next week I'll get into the recent terroristic plot in Italy by a neo-Nazi also spouting incel language and beliefs. I'm sure there will be more, but it's time to get to it. Today's interview deals a bit with suicide, as many of them do, with a remarkable young man who doesn't identify as incel, but finds himself in strong agreement with much of the black pill, and reached out to tell his story. His name is Ethan, and without further ado, here he is. Uh, uh, my name is Ethan Hebbard. I, um, I guess I'd say that I, I you know, I live with uh, anxiety and depression, and I'm on the, uh, the autism spectrum, but most of that wasn't diagnosed until i was 18 and smoked, like went entirely untreated for all of that time mm-hmm. and then so um i uh, i attempted suicide uh with a firearm 10 days after my 17th birthday which was in 2012 i went from being you know able-bodied uh assuming um, myself to be neurotypical to um living with um paralysis and uh impaired vision resulting from my attempt can i ask I ha- where you shot yourself i put the barrel um to like my right temple so okay. the bullet went through my face basically wow had you ever attempted suicide before or thought about it before then I had thought about it a lot. Attempted? No. I've always been kind of a perfectionist. Like, if I was going to do it, I was always going to go for the one hit. Sure, sure fire. Yeah. Pun not intended. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Seemingly sure fire. For a while, it was, I was, there was a refusal. I said, you know, like, I refuse to die a virgin. My own personal ego wouldn't allow that. Mm Mm-hmm. You put it off for some time because you didn't want to go out that way. Yeah, my reason for living was sexual. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 16, I found myself in a relationship, which is, um, you know, up until I became disabled, was that I would fixate on girls who were unavailable, which has to do with um, childhood stuff. Like what? Um, my mom left me with my dad when I was from like five to eight, approximately. For that period and then came back or, and then you. Yeah. And then she she did, she did end up coming back. But all that while, um, I was not in the very, in like the environment I was in, uh, my dad was, you know, in his uh, single father in his twenties. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was raised with my, my grandparents a lot on his side, who were also kind of fairly young. So they were raising uh, three other kids in that house. Okay. I wasn't given a lot of attention or affection because I was, I was a boy, you know? So it was very much like, be tough, be a man kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. So um, girls at school who I thought were pretty and who were nice to me quickly became my kind of single and most potent source of emotional attachment and security. Mm. Very understandably. Mm-hmm. 
because my mom was not around, I kind of had that, like, the girls who were unavailable, like, you know, it's like if I could get with them, it would be like getting her back or something like that. Yes, of course. So I would always be uh, most interested in the girls who I was, uh, who were either out of my league or just unavailable to me for, for whatever reason. And because I was so fixated on other girls, I would be confident and seemingly uninterested with other girls who would then be interested in me, and then I would settle. Okay. So when I was 16, I found myself in a situation where, in a similar kind of way, uh, while fixated on another girl, found myself with a girl who was around, and we ended up having sex. But it wasn't, at the time, I didn't care a lot about her, because I was still emotionally tied with someone else, kind of. So I had sex, and then I was kind of, no, I wouldn't say disappointed, but, you can say it. A lot of people are. <laughs> and it wasn't that, like, my first time was, was bad. Like, she had experience, and it it was, like, solid for the most part. But, it like, I think with how our culture uh, hypes it up, yeah, yes. it was a little underwhelming. Yep. Anticlimactic. Like, no pun intended again. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I think so. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't the earth-shattering, life-changing experience. Yeah. Mm. Although I guess I would say there was one the one time that like uh she actually like we s- actually slept together and she didn't just like sneak out was maybe life changing. Hmm. So you stayed together for a little while at least. Yeah, but then um you know it was a high school fling that not, you know I wasn't very invested in and it, it it didn't you know it died out and and then you know I I had my attempted uh kind of soon thereafter so you found yourself feeling as depressed as you had been or maybe even more because you thought that this would change things and it didn't um it, it so for me um I kind of like keyed into suicide when I was like 8 years old I had grown up in a fairly uh, like evangelical setting, so my I had kind of gotten in my head at that age that like I'm kind of too young to go to hell. I haven't sinned hard enough <laughs> to go to hell, and I don't really see how God would see me wanting to go to heaven as worthy of you know like as hell worthy. <laughs> so that was my eight year old evangelical re- defense of suicide. Huh. Well, I and understand I just, that. Um, but something was drawing you to it in the first place. I, it's not common for an eight-year-old to have those thoughts. Yeah, um, I think um, my kind of my theory is um, probably some sort of a abuse occurred to me that my brain has decided to omit from the record. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe one day I'll get you know the un unedited transcript Mm -hmm. but for now that's blacked out um so that's when it started like eight i kind of got keyed into like oh if i died i wouldn't be my hurt my feelings would hurt never again yeah and um of course i didn't tell anybody about that because i knew it was i was like not something to talk about not that anybody would have been like understanding or like I don't want to say woke about it, but like, yeah, at the time, you know, in 2002, 2003, uh, you know, the culture was very different, especially, yes. especially where I was living at the time. So I kept it a secret. And then as I got older, um, and when I was in middle school was like the first wave kind of emo, my chemical romance and all that, like mm-hmm. internet stuff kind of started coming out. So I felt somewhat like my depression felt kind of normalized, like, or Mm -hmm. my suicidal tendencies felt normalized. So I made friends with the emo kids and fell in love with the emo girls. But, um, I still wasn't uh, very, uh, open about what I was thinking about or how I was feeling. Were were the other kids talking about it? Because I imagine they kind of were. Yeah, it was one of those things that like we would kind of talk about it, but not not like we didn't talk about actually doing it. It was more of just this kind of like passive glorification of dying. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, romanticizing it. Yeah, being uh, autistic and uh, undiagnosed, uh, you know, like with some of the other uh, guests you had on here said, it's like, I just kept failing socially. Yeah. So having no explanation as to it, I was just, you know, it just dug my self-esteem. What about school or like other activities? I played Little League, but I was like, I wasn't very good or very interested in it. Mm. Um, school was good because I'm very smart and kind of always, it was always like a breeze for me. So I got a lot of attention and praise. And then school was also the place where, um, I was most in control of like my own life. Yep. I really like school, uh, to this day. Mm-hmm. And are you, you're in your mid twenties, I guess. Are you yeah. um, in school now? Did you continue? School? Yeah. So, um, I attempted the summer before my senior year mm-hmm. and I was actually able to graduate on time Really? via some of the work I, w- I was able to do in the hospital. Huh. Yeah. Wow. And from there I went, um, to long to, you know, my local city college. And then I finally fucking transferred into my, uh, the university here. And then fucking COVID hits, so. Uh. <laughs> so, yes, I'm going to school, but it's... Uh, Delayed temporarily, yeah, indefinitely. Process. I hate online school, but, like, I can't, you know, I can't give up. It's very much my attitude. So I, I want to ask you a bit more about uh, your family situation. First of all, that okay. you're mom came back um so i'm kind of curious how that all went down and, and played out um but i guess more basically you know with your for that period of time and so far as you can remember with your dad and your grandparents and your aunts and uncles that were kind of more like siblings i mean what was the environment like and they value education or grades or did you feel like that was valued um, so, um, my parents met quote unquote fell in love when they were like 14. Okay. And then I was born when my mom was 18 and my dad was 20. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So they so, were kids. So they were kids and my mom, um, comes from, uh, a house of, uh, sexual abuse and uh was struggling with addiction then Mm -hmm. so she just left okay i see and then got sober okay because she wanted to be around me again her and my dad uh were able to rekindle and uh have another child okay and then to your to the question about the environment um it was just expected of me mm-hmm. to succeed academically. Right. So. so it wasn't very like reinforced. Yeah. Uh, it's what, what you call in a psychology is a, you know, the negative reward. Yeah, exactly. Um, my, my reward for my academic success was the retention of my privileges. Uh huh. Right. So not fucking up led to not being punished. Yeah. Rather and than then when I did fuck up, it was things. Um, a lot of the like psychological. Wait till your dad gets home. Mm-hmm. Torture. Spankings up until what age? Um, probably like eleven, ten, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, like belt, like impl- belt in hand spankings, uh, mm. not just a uh, bare hand. Yeah. Okay. Um, well. Coupled coupled with the message from my dad that uh, he was doing that because he cared about me, and that if he didn't give a shit about me, he would let me run around as a fuck up. And, sure. Like, Classic. The, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's how you know it's how he was raised. Right. Stuff. So. Yeah. Right, there has to be some some leniency given for cultural contexts and things like that. It's not necessarily looked at as an aberrant 
behavior, but it's still, I would say, abuse. Physically abusive, yeah. Yeah. So, my reward, um, there was one report card where my dad rewarded me with like a video game for for getting like good marks on everything. Mm. And did your parents stay together? Yeah, they're still together. Okay. And then back to the environment I was in. So um, my, I had an aunt, I have an aunt who's three years my senior. So she was kind of my governess. (laughs) Okay. She would go on to have a child at 15 and drop out of high high school and clearly has her own uh, host of, trauma mm. so like talk about the blind leading the blind yeah and so she took out a lot of her frustration on me in the form of a physical torment and like being you know just forced to submit to her she wasn't given a lot of attention either i think that's yeah were there a lot of children around she had two older sisters who were um, one in high school and one in junior high, and then an older brother who was in high school. And then your dad and you. Yeah, and my grandparents were like in their forties. Mm-hmm. So they were also teenagers when they had. Yeah, my dad was born to a sixteen-year-old. Okay. Yep. That's that generational. Yeah, I broke I broke that cycle. Yeah, you did. Well, cheers to that. All right, so let's jump forward a bit here. Now, what exactly happened after this attempt? I was put into an inpatient rehab facility. Well, sorry, I was, you know, taken to the hospital. I was in the ICU for an amount of days, and then like a a critical care inpatient. Um, You know, the doctors and the medical staff told my family, like, he's fucked. Yeah. Totaled. Uh, The the doctor on my case actually had done a study on, uh, like, uh, gunshot wounds to the head. So he felt like he was the expert on on the matter. And he was saying, you know, like, he's if he survives, he's going to be all all sorts of fucked up. Uh Uh-huh. So then, I because I was seventeen, I got put I got placed into a pediatric rehab facility. Uh huh. So I was um I was there with like uh, premature birth babies, severely uh, special need like kids right. with severe needs. There was one girl there who was also my age who was suffering from Guillain-Barre, which is a horrific yes condition. And interestingly enough, another girl there who was also my age, who was also there on account of a suicide attempt, but she was in a, in like paralyzed from the neck down. Her boyfriend broke her heart and she, she hung herself, but her mom came home <sighs> earlier than expected. And she, you know, her brain had been cut deprived of oxygen for so long. Oh. It's, you know, it's like a Stephen Hawking wheelchair situation. Yeah. And so for me, that's what I was expecting to happen to me should I survive. Yeah, my logic at the time, and so I was there, and that's where I learned how to walk again and uh, kind of get dressed with um, my left arm being out of commission. So, what exactly is out of commission, and how long were you there in the ICU and in the critical care unit? I mean, um, I had a stroke as a result of the brain of the. Brain injury and the stroke happened at the same, like, uh-huh. it's kind of, you know, can't tell what did yeah. what, but um, it, what it left me with is um, the left side. Or- my left side is impaired where my, um, I, I, I can, I can move my left arm up to my wrist, but like my wrist and my fingers are, are, out of my control and then on my leg it's basically my left ankle is out of commission so like i have drop foot Uh is what it's called yeah so i can walk but it's not a very pleasant sight Mm, how is it physically how does it feel um it's 
uh, I don't like to walk. Uh, I can ride. A, I have a three-wheeled bike that I ride. I like doing that. You know, that's a lot of fun. But I, I can walk. I used to have to wear a brace and all, you know, like adaptive equipment and all that stuff, which made walking. Um... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Clinically better, but had its own kind of cost. So I, now that I can move without one, I, I don't wear one. And, and it's it's manageable. I mean, apparently my health is going to suffer for it when I'm older, but. And what else? I lost all vision in my right eye, and my left eye, I'm legally blind. Mm. But you can still type and do, you know? Yeah, I can still oh. see. I can't see well enough to drive. Okay. But I can see well enough to do most anything else. Okay. And this and probably so, went on for, for weeks or months. Months. So the yeah. injury took place on... July 12th and then I was done with all the physical therapy and stuff mostly by January 24th of 2013 okay like that's uh, it was the spring semester of my senior year that I got to go back to high school and you did you went back yeah and I um, wow I can't even imagine I just, um, you know, I was, um, they put me in, like, I had, like, a special ed class and then, like, the two mandatory courses that every senior had to take. What was it like being back at the same high school after that? Um. Or you were kind of probably too. So I was, um. I couldn't walk well enough clinically to be left unattended. Uh, so I was inducted into the, like the special needs program. Yeah. And so I had, I had like a staff member walking around with me. Yeah. But you were still seeing the same people around occasionally, right? To yeah. It was, um, I don't know how to explain it. Honestly, no one's ever asked me that, and it's I've never really thought about it. It was It was strange, I guess because like it was the you know the the last half of senior year, so I like that was the attitude that I came back to. Yeah. It was like we're, it's almost over, we're done with high school. Mm. So it kind of just flew by. I um, I, I, I guess you were too um, concerned with other things. Yeah. Yeah. What about your the girlfriend that you'd been with before and everything? Did you talk to her after or um, any friends? So, yes, um, my best friend before the attempt, she was still like, my friends have been around very much the entire time, except for one who, after I got out, could no longer be as supportive. For, you know, I don't know why they, they had to back out, but it was what they had to do, I guess. But um, the friend, uh, like my best friend, like my core group of best friends were, well, 
one of them went left to college. But then my other best friend, who was still around, we hung out all the time, and they helped me a lot in that early time. As for the girl, um, I was still kind of not in the mindset to care about her. So, like, I tried to, like, I kind of, like, hooked up with her a little bit once. But she got busy also with her own stuff, and she's doing really well now. Incel will continue after a short break from our sponsors. If you're enjoying this episode of Incel, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. This is one of the best ways to help spread the word so that others can discover it as well. Hello, world. I finally did it. I set up a Patreon. It's just my name, www.patreon.com slash and there, newly incentivized and free from the evil eye of leering detractors, I'll be releasing episodes early and ad-free, along with bi-weekly bonus episodes, weekly blog posts, articles, and polls so that I can hear from you. So if you support the show, please consider subscribing at any tier. Can't wait to develop some community outside of Twitter. Patreon.com slash N-A-A-M-A-K-A-T-E-S. Check it out. I told you all 2020 would be strange, didn't I? Downright chaotic. And we don't exactly keep it light with the topics on this show. We deal with some scary stuff. Lately, I find that everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why I'm excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract. Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 20% off any purchase by using show code INCEL20. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. And my new favorite, Cope. Highly recommended for the high in hip. You know, I would think that, well, a couple things. One, just that head injury of that kind sometimes can in itself just cause like emotional dysregulation and depression and anger and all kinds of things on a physiological level. But also Uh, an experience like that would leave definitely some people very angry, very depressed, very bitter. And you seem to have taken it in a different direction. So a big part of that for me, I can speak to actually was um, my big self-absolvement of moral crime of that was suicide is suicide Mm. was that I was convinced that I would be unburdening the people around me. Yeah. And they all showed up at the hospital and stuff while I was unconscious. And then when I was conscious, so I lost that. (sighs) Get out of hell moral card you know, in my worldview. So it's actually out of compassion to other people and some degree of moral obligation that you don't. Yes. That's kind of remarkable. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I don't, I do care I'm against my will. It seems sometimes. Are you religious currently still? Um, or? so I was, like I told you earlier, I was raised, in the evangelical, like a mm-hmm. very evangelical tradition. But then I became fairly uh, agnostic mm-hmm. as a, as an adolescent. And um, so in my um, memory stream, it goes like this. Um, I, I, you know, I have the gun pressed to my head and I'm like not pulling the trigger. And it got to the point of like, okay, we're either going to do this or we're not going to do it. And I, and I squeezed. And my next memory was of a uh, like a light at the end of the tunnel situation. Mm-hmm. And I was freezing cold. Hmm. And somehow, for, you know, at that point in time, I remembered the scene from Point Break and recognized that I was cold because of blood loss and that I was going to die. Mm-hmm. I had that realization. 
on the spot. But that couldn't that you know that doesn't explain the white light and all that stuff. So I um that's when my survival instincts decided to get back on the job, and the only thing I could think to do was uh pray to God to please uh you know please I don't want to die please save mm-hmm. me. But you know my next memory after that is uh is waking up in the hospital some like sixteen days later or something like that. So maybe not so agnostic anymore. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that has also definitely uh, had an influence on me. Yeah. My mom had, you know, had always told me my whole life, like, you know, God has a plan for you and you're special and you're there's a purpose for your life. And so now it seems like I guess that might actually be true. Mm. So that has given me a sort of a renewed interest in being alive. Which definitely wavers. I let me tell you. I um. Of course, it it does for everyone. I think. I mean, obviously, some more than others. What's your uh, relationship with your mom like now? It sounds like it's um. So when she, we've always been close since she's come back. Mm-hmm. And then she was the one who found me and called the ambulance. Mm-hmm. So we're. <laughs> very close and we do a lot of work together in the like mental health sector really that's been great for me like we give uh presentations at public schools for for you know grade school public oh. school age kids about uh mental health awareness and suicide prevention and stuff so oh wow it's and i get to tell my story and stuff and talk about it in front of people and that's that's great that's wonderful for me i yeah. get a lot out of that and what are you studying? Philosophy. Mm. I'd like to be like a like a city college professor. That's kind of the the target right now. But I've also thought about like creative consulting kind of work mm-hmm. in the private sector. And what about relationships? Um. So earlier this year. A girl uh, ripped my heart out of my chest. Hmm. But my heart was broken anyway, so I don't, I'm not terribly upset about it anymore. Well, I think in a way, uh, she set me free. It was because through that, I realized that uh, romantic love isn't going to be my salvation. Right. No, or your completion. Yeah. So have you um, given up on it or kind of put it on the shelf for now? Um, or is it just not as urgent, I guess? I'm definitely mindful enough of it to like not be defeatist about it. Like it's not like, oh, I'm it's never gonna happen for me or I don't need it to happen or whatever. Like it's much more of just a... I just don't need it. Like if it happens, whatever. But I, before the pandemic, I had a, I had a, a pretty, uh, pretty stable, uh, like friends with benefits ordeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, cause as you can, I guess, you know, you might have put together, like going into this, I, uh, I wasn't extremely sexually experienced. And then I had this brain injury was of course having to relearn how to walk. I've also had to relearn how to do other things. But you did. <laughs> so and I have and like so like I am but it's it's different. I like it's and I don't know how much of that difference is not being seventeen and it being my first time or the brain injury. I don't know what to attribute that difference to, but like everything getting it in as it were is much less a priority now than it's ever been in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in like fifth grade, I would say it was a bigger priority. Yeah. So you you seem to have made something of um, a meaningful life, definitely, and have found some some stability and kind of some maybe not found some. It sounds like you've always had a fair amount of inner strength and resilience. So you know, just to wrap up now because we're we're at an hour. What do you think about the the things that you've read on the intel groups and the chats, things that you relate to, the things that you don't relate to, being that you can relate to many aspects of it, I guess, 
I'd characterize a large portion of the discussions and things as being characterized by hopelessness and anger. And it doesn't sound like you feel those things, but you did at one point. I mean, you didn't yeah, talk about And, and I still it. do. I don't dwell. Yeah. I guess my thing with all that is it's not that I don't have those emotions. Is I just, I don't, I don't sit on them. I don't sit with them. I guess, you know, like I, I smoke a lot of weed <laughs> and cigarettes. So like I, I'm, and it's, it's kind of one of the ways that my depression manifests itself is, is apathy. Yeah. And it can get to the point where I just like, can just not care. Like I could just tap into the fact that I'm so depressed at any time and kind of tune anything out but so but like with all but i like i understand i think a lot of it has to do with just uh frustration and the uh the lack of recognition and of the fact that these uh men and boys are are hurting and suffering and experiencing an unfairness yeah what do you think about some of these issues like lookism and just superficiality or misandry i guess uh that's interesting because i'm so guilty of that um i'm extremely picky when it comes to to lovers i guess you can say so i um it's hard for me to refute all the black pill stuff about like you know like the science behind dating and all that kind of crap Mm mm-hmm but you did just call it crap, so it, I mean it because it's it's not an it's not an absolute science, you know. Right. It's not um determinant. No. And so for me it's about whether you want to be stubborn or what call it what you want, but just not giving up and continuing to try for what it is that you want and trying new things, you know, whatever it takes. And for listeners who say to you, well, uh, you wouldn't know because you can get laid. And you yourself, I guess, attempted suicide. Or, I mean, people would have all kinds of arguments for you. So how could you maybe preempt some of those? Okay, so <laughs> when I say uh, I can get laid, I mean the, in, the, in, the, in a very technical sense of I can get pussy. These girls aren't attractive or happy, uh, healthy individuals, uh-huh. as it were. They're not, if, if, if trust, if it was, if I could get like porn quality, yeah. attractive girls on a whim, yeah, I probably, I might not be here, nor would, I think you, you wouldn't have any listeners, right? If we, if we could, right. that was the situation we're in, but like. I think also because of my, my, my brain injury and a lot of other factors, like when I'm with a girl, if I don't feel emotionally safe or, or like there's an emotional context for what's happening, I can't even climax Mm -hmm. really. Yeah. So, like, when I say I can get laid, it's like, yeah, I can get my penis in a vagina, but it's not fulfilling or worthwhile for me mm-hmm. to even do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's... And then, um, for about the, the suicide stuff, um, it's suicides uh the p- most preventable death but it is not always preventable i you know i, I want to be and you can cut this out if it's too dark but like you know like i do all this suicide prevention stuff and i want to be all like save everybody but i understand the fact is that we can't and that some people are committed to committing and i don't i don't know how to help those people um I'm more trying to help the people like me who were stuck on this fence for years thinking about, man, I wouldn't it be great if I were to just die. And I think uh, what I'm, my message to that is that, uh, no, life's all right. If you, you just got to find the stuff that makes it feel all right. For like, for me, it's like sunsets and food and like just good times with my friends. Like I didn't like, a big part of me of it of the understanding that I've reached is that uh life is all chaos. There's really no good or bad. It's kinda all how what we make of it. Yeah. 
And that, and that's also helped me with the love stuff is that love isn't going to bring order to the chaos. It's just going to like make the highs a bit higher. And the lows much lower. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any personally, any, um, hopes for or belief that, um, there might be some change to a society that's, you know, um, that marginalizes certain people, young men, that's locust, that's superficial, that's materialistic and kind of blind to. It's, it's so hard for me to say because we're living in this, in this time of great uh, societal change. Right. But it's like most of that societal change is very much seems to me built on the idea that white men are now going to be the ones who suffer yes. or that their suffering is warranted or meaningless or yeah yeah and i and i understand I, and i understand that perspective to an you know to an extent yeah but i think it's like not a very evolved perspective yeah like we but it's like we just kind of have to keep trying to make progress in any direction we can um, I think this podcast is great. Like I, uh, when I told my mom that I was doing, uh, I was speaking to you, um, and I told her it was an inc- like an incel podcast and she told me like, be careful. You know, those are, those are like the dangerous, that's like a dangerous corner of the internet. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to explain to her like, no, that's not, that's like, they're depicted that way, but that's not really how it is. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's a, you know, it's also, I think part of the Trump era, you know, is like, it's the shocking, darkest, loudest people who get the most attention. Absolutely. It's and as social that media, goes, everything. As that goes away. And also as these, as, you know, the incels, we grow up and find, um, I'm, 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 active in my local semi-local uh like bdsm community Mm -hmm. and so that's like my tribe i get like a like i'm a masochist Mm -hmm. among among other things so getting that also helps with like my my need for physical touch and all that stuff yeah and the sense that that sense of community yes that i that i have from that community um the pandemic has has stifled that tremendously which has sucked but uh we'll get through it yeah yeah that's a interesting sort of um, piece of advice that i've never come across but getting involved in a community like that would meet the some of the physical touch needs some of the sexual needs some of the needs of excitement and attraction and most of all community really yeah i mean for me and i and I, these were i'm i'm kind of taking someone else's some other the words of another older more experienced uh kink person is that for bdsm is is largely uh for me and this other person is not a very uh sexual thing for some people it is their wires are such that the pain actually gives mm-hmm. them like a direct sexual pleasure Mm-hmm. For me, though, it's the endorphins and the touch and everything else that gives mm-hmm. me a sensual. Maybe sexual is not the right word, but sensual. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say sensual. Yeah, especially if you're not like totally committed to heteronormativeness. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's a good place for you. Yeah. Yeah, might be something that probably a vast majority of the listeners at their age and given their maybe political leanings and stuff wouldn't be open to at the time, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it also, it also does take some, some, some confidence and some social willingness to put yourself out there. Oh, definitely. Like, it's, uh, like, not for the high inhibition. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a, I had a, uh, a friend and some, both friend and male role model tell me to uh to get on fat life and and pursue that to get what i was looking for and so it was through uh you know joining fat life and going to like my local events that and meeting people that i got into it and so i can understand for those of us who 
love our rooms yeah too much how that might be a barrier but like what i have what i have found with the the, pe- the community of people in that is they are very accepting and like kind people who like if the superficialness doesn't matter so much to a lot of the older experienced people who call that community home and you know i live in i live in los angeles essentially so like the superficialness is like crazy high over here. Yeah, it's unparalleled. I hear DC has a has a it's equally plastic over there, but and it's also um, I'm I'm a bit of a mis a misanthrope. Uh, I I kind of projected my self-hatred onto all of humanity and found that the shoe fits in some ways. And in by holding all humans as equal and humans as terrible, I've kind of demystified attractive girls to the point that I can talk to them without the the shyness stereotypical of the autistic beta male, as it were. So, hot girls are people too, I guess is what I'm saying. And as people, they're disgusting just by virtue of being a human being. Hot hot girls? Yeah. Are disgusting. Not, Not because they're hot, but like I'm saying... When I when you hold that all human beings are equally repugnant and vile as the worst of us. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, <laughs> right. So they they are not exempt from that, is what yeah. you mean? Yes. Yeah. Don't put anyone on a pedestal and, and devalue. Yes, right. That's a good point to make. That I think is definitely not one that's really in the insult for it. No, or or in our society at all with. Uh, the way we worship celebrity in the West, no, it's definitely like we have to reiterate they're just another human being. Yeah. As wretched and deplorable as as any as, as you see yourself. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at uh, an hour and fifteen, and um, lovely talking with you. You too, and uh, you know, I didn't necessarily expect this conversation to go some of the places that it did and i'm really glad that it did um i'm looking forward to airing it and um hearing the responses <laughs> yeah that'll definitely be interesting thank you stay safe uh, happy new year that's all for today dear listeners remember how much i love you all because you truly are the smartest and most interesting listeners anyone could ever ask for and because you're patient and forgiving and generous and kind Over and out, your resolute New Year's intrepid incel reporter. If you or someone you know is struggling with feelings of hopelessness, please reach out to one of the links provided in the show description. 